Hi there. Welcome to the show where each week I tell my guests that the world is ending, that they must place the movies that had the biggest impact on their lives into their own movie time capsule. Today, I'm talking with Dia Frampton. You might know her from The Voice, her band Megan Dia, or you've seen her on your TV as an actress. On this episode, we talk about the movie that makes her so mad that she pulled all of her clothes out of her closet. We'll find out if acting or singing makes her more nervous. We talk about our odd connection to movie rental stores, and she will reveal which J.J. Abrams movie she got to audition for. Let's go. It is time to talk about movies, all your favorites, all your loved ones. We will hear them and we'll cheer them. It is time for Movie Time Capsule. Today, I have the privilege of talking to a singer, a songwriter, an actress, a book lover, a breakfast connoisseur. Welcome, Dia Frampton. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad that uh, I could get some time with you to talk about your movies. We already had a little pre-talk before this episode, and we were already getting deep into movies and current ones. So I'm excited to hear what we're going to put into your time capsule. I'm pretty excited too. I I love movies, so I'm prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. One thing I wanted to ask you about though, um, you know, Megan Dia was your life for a long time and then the voice came around. Your life changed a lot in a lot of ways. But how did you, I guess, turn into acting? Was it something that came to you or that you kind of started going towards it? Um, it definitely came to me and then now I'm going towards it. <laughs> um, but and I mean, when when my acting friends hear this, they just get so annoyed because I was just that clueless person who had so many great opportunities. I didn't really realize it. Um, when I got off The Voice, I signed with one of the top agencies in L.A. for um, booking shows called Paradigm. And uh, for those in the entertainment business, that's a really big deal. For me, I was just kind of like, oh, cool. I have this new company that just picked me up after The Voice. And um I was more interested in them for their booking area. So a big company like Paradigm will rep writers and musicians and actors. So I was, you know, under the musician umbrella and I didn't think that it would cross over. But I started getting these emails from people that I didn't know for um, auditions for singing kind of shows like Glee or if there was a guest star in 90210, which was a singer, like that would come my way and um, <clears throat> Les Mes and things like that. And then there started to be auditions that had nothing to do with singing. Um, I actually even got to audition for uh, Star Wars for the role of Rey. Like, oh, I, wow. I mean, just all these crazy things that really shouldn't have happened to me with what level of skill and knowledge I had, but just came from that being on the hot seat on The Voice and just all of that kind of cascading around me. And so... Um, the Voice opened up a lot of opportunities directly after it ended, but they weren't opportunities that I were was necessarily prepared for. Sure. But yeah, after I started kind of doing self-tapes and auditions, I realized, one, I'm really bad at this, and then two, how can I get good at this? And so that's when I kind of fully immersed myself in studying film, uh, reading every acting book, Sanford Meisner's book, um, going into scene study class and I went to the groundlings and UCB improv and then UCB writing for sketch. And I just kind of fully immersed myself in that world. And I'm still taking acting class. I'm still taking improv, um, sketch writing class and just trying to do as much as I can. Yeah. You sound like you, when you were doing a really deep dive, was there any like actors, actresses, movies that you would watch like to study one particular actor? Ooh, um, I mean, of course I watch Marlon Brando a lot, oh. um, cause he's, you know, you have to be aware of his catalog of films. Um, of course the great Meryl Streep, I just watched the Iron Lady and I just love yeah. watching her trans transform really. She just does it so effortlessly and she can go from the Iron Lady to the prom to into the woods to Sophie's choice. And she's just so flawless. Um, so I love watching her, but she's kind of a given. Everybody likes to watch her. Um, yeah. Someone that I really love is Sarah Paulson. She's oh. really wonderful. And I loved her in um, a Duplass Brothers movie called Blue Jay. And uh, she just did a thriller film that came out on Hulu that was really great. I think it's called Run or something Run. like that. Yeah. And that was fantastic. Um, 
Yeah, so there's just so many, there are so many inspiring people and I just want to watch them all. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah Paulson is awesome. Have you seen Ratchet, the TV show? No, I haven't. Oh man, she is good in that. It's it's a lot to take. Um, the show, it's it's really graphic and uh, it's got a lot going on. Uh, she's evil. She's manipulative, but she is awesome in it. Do you end up liking her? Because that's that's always really cool for me when somebody can play someone that's evil, but you still kind of root for them in a weird way. I haven't finished the show, so um, my wife doesn't like scary things. So she kind of dropped out. So I haven't gotten back to it yet. Um, it's yeah, it's weird because. She's doing so many bad things, but she's the main character. So you naturally like her for some reason. It's mm-hmm. it's weird. You know, we have this mix of characters now that they're not so black and white. As we just talked about before this episode, characters are very human nowadays and um, their intentions and their characteristics are not crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't figured out yet where she's going to go with it. But I mean, obviously, if you see. Uh, one flew over the cookie's nest, you know that she is not a nice person. So yeah, I wonder how many episodes and seasons this will go and if it'll kind of bridge the gap between the TV show and the movie. Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah. That's a great movie. Great book. That's right. You are the book queen. Mm-hmm. You, you, do you like have multiple books at a time that you're reading? Uh, yeah, I I do. I'm reading Minor Feelings right now, which is really great. And I'm reading The Courage to Create, which kind of helps me when I'm trying to dive into my mentality work with creating. Because most of the time, you know, you have that voice in your head that's like, okay, why bother to try to write anything because you suck? And then I'll <laughs> turn to that book and try to focus on that. And that's what I did on The Voice a lot, too. I know you always saw me with a book. It just kind of helps me drown out the noise around me because if I start to tune in I just get really nervous and anxious that makes sense I have another question that I wanted to ask you because you're you know you're in both worlds of music and of and of movies Um, what do you get more nervous for performing for a big crowd for a concert or being on your first uh first day on a big set uh I would say concert oh yeah which is weird because I know that I've done that for far longer, but um, yeah, I have a weird kind of fear with singing um, that's still there a little bit. And it actually got a lot worse after The Voice, not because of anything anyone did. Like everyone was wonderful on that uh, TV show behind the scenes and, you know, up front. But um, I get scared of kind of being imperfect and I feel like there's a lot more room to play when I'm acting um Mm -hmm. hopefully depending on who's directing because there's you know I've been around people who've not been nice but um yeah I think I think I have this weird thing with music where I feel like I have to hit it perfectly or whatever and it's it's really difficult to work on yeah I guess you can perfectly hit a note but you don't I guess perfectly hitting a scene is is subjective in in some ways, Mm -hmm. but I thought for sure you were going to say acting. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, Yeah. When you're playing with somebody in a scene, like you can just kind of flow with them and they might do something a little different. You can bounce off that. And, um, and also, you know, you're working with people that hopefully want you to be your best. So they're not going to put in a bad take and they'll let you know, if you need to adjust something, I just feel like when you're doing that, you have so many people around you that are there to help you shine. And when I'm playing a show with my sister, it's kind of like, okay, we're out here on our own. And there's no second takes. Exactly. Especially if you are like my worst nightmare is like late night with Conan O'Brien or something. And you're just up there and the curtain rolls up and you have five minutes to do one song and Usually it takes me one or two songs to kind of warm up and get used to the crowd and get used to the sound, the monitors, the sound of the room. And with a late night TV show, you have just that one take and you kind of just go in cold and you have to hit it. And um, I mean, whenever I see people perform on late night, I just get so nervous for them. But (laughs) I don't know. It's it's just a really scary thing for me. it's so funny because I have a few musician friends. So I, I called when we were doing 
uh, late night with Jay Leno, and they were like, if you mess up really bad, just say the F word. Like, they'll have to redo everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I guess I could just drop an F bomb, like, in the middle of the second chorus if. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. I wonder if anyone's actually ever done that before, and you wouldn't know because they're not going to show it. Yeah, I wonder if that actually works. <laughs> mm hmm. All right, Dia. Um, I have some sad news. The world is ending and we have to put your movies into a time capsule so that we can save them for future generations or the aliens that maybe come down to Earth later. Are you ready to put together your time capsule? Yes. OK, the first question is, what is the first movie you ever remember purchasing with your own money? Oh, wow. You know, that would have to definitely have to be a Disney movie. Because mm -hmm. I was a Disney person through and through, but I can't remember. You know, I didn't really purchase movies because my mom and dad owned a mom and pop like blockbuster type rental um, movie shop. So we rented all the movies. It, it was definitely it wasn't a blockbuster, but it was, you know, like a whatever kind of thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I would go to work with my mom and just sit there and they would put on all these movies for me. And I, I loved all the Disney movies. I loved Snow White. Like, I was Snow White for Halloween one year. That was the youngest Halloween costume I can remember. But, yeah, my mom and dad owned a, a video rental shop. So I was just always back there, and I'd make sure all the movies were um, all rewound, rewound and ready to go. <laughs> and, and my mom, I still remember my mom would, like, get into fights with people because, I mean, she was an awesome lady, but, like, people would leave them in the car, and the movies would actually melt Oh, yeah. There were these special stickers I had to put on all the movies when I was a kid that would show you if the movies were left out in a certain temperature. Oh. <laughs> I forgot all about this. It's so funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so my, my parents owned that for a while. That is insane. Uh, my parents also owned a movie rental store. Really? They called it Village Video. Um, not for most of my life when I was really young, so I don't have a lot of memories there. But, um yeah, we didn't really own movies in our family. We we had them, you know, from from the store or we would record them off of VHS from TV. Uh, that is insane. But probably a Disney movie is what you first. Yeah, owned. we had all of the we had all the Disney movies. My parents were so kind. I just remember if I'd ever go to the, go to the grocery store and they had the stack of like Aladdin or Beauty and yeah. the Beast. I'd always want to get it. And eventually they, they'd let us buy them and um, we'd watch them until, you know, we could do all of the voices and everything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I totally forgot about the video rental. I need to ask them what it was called. I'm actually kind of curious now. Yeah, you got to find out. Would you and your sisters like act out scenes from from the Disney movies together? We wouldn't act out scenes, but we would act out the world. Like I remember, I mean, this is such a weird memory that just popped into my head, but I would I would get in fights with my sister because I wanted to be Pocahontas and she wanted to be, so I can't even remember her name. I'm so rude. Um, the other <laughs> woman in the Pocahontas movie, I think her name's like Nakoma or something. Um, Sounds close. There was a, one other attractive Indian woman who I think liked Cocoaum too, but, um, <laughs> I'd always want to be the lead and I'd always make my sister, my younger sister. I can't do that with my older sister, Meg. She would kill me, but I have four <laughs> younger sisters, so they have to do what I say. So I'd always be like, oh, I think I should be Belle and you should be Mrs. Potts. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. We would, we would always fight with my friends. Like I remember for Full House, when we watched Full House, it's like, I get to be Jesse and you get to be Danny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. There's always one person that you, yeah, that just connects with you. Well, this will be a great lead into my next question is which movie character do you relate to the most? Man, I was thinking about this and I'd have to say uh, when I watched La La Land in theaters, I just yeah. couldn't move from my seat because it just felt like that struggle that you feel as an artist. And, you know, you have Ryan Gosling's character trying to be trying to be a jazz artist and jazz musician. You have Emma Stone trying to be an actress and you just have like this struggle and also trying to keep a relationship going and trying to not let that bleed in. And, and I remember 
people are walking out of the movie theater and I was at the arc light and I was just like, Ugh. I just I almost wished I had gone alone because I wanted to just have that moment to myself. And I just really connected with it. But then it also made me sad because there was a part of La La Land that just seemed like such a movie. I'm like, that's not going to happen for me. That happens to Emma Stone in this movie. Sure. So there was also that sadness to it. But it was interesting because I was speaking with one of my friends who's um, who used to be in an old acting class I, I took a while ago. And um, I think he's 47. And we were talking about La La Land. And he said, you know, La La Land's super. He kind of ruined it for me because he said La La Land's a great film because it's two hot people like trying to be artists in their young 20s. But he's like, Dia, try to be me. I'm 47. I work at a pizza restaurant. And whenever I go on a date with a woman and tell them I'm an actor at 47, it's just radio silence and then like waiting for the bill. And he just said, you know, I'd love to see La La Land be made with two normally attractive people in their <laughs> mid fifties and see how that, um, pans out. And it was just kind of an interesting thing to think about the, the romanticism of the starving artist versus the reality of what so many of us go through. I mean, yeah, that would, would be a much more interesting movie. A lot less people would go and see it, mm -hmm. but yeah, it was the most polished white version of that story that I think could be told. But I do I do really enjoy watching that movie and, and seeing L.A. locations and the music is amazing. Did you there's a lot of there's a montage of, of uh, auditions when Emma Stone's like going through like audition after audition. Did you have similar experiences like that where it's just like, no, 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 no crickets? Oh, You're not yeah. getting this part. I mean, I've had so so many no's in my life and I've had so many terrible auditions where I mean there was one time I went into an audition um with this casting director Dylan Brander and she was very kind to me because I I got this audition and the day before I got this audition I got dropped from Paradigm from the agency that I worked with because the audition came through my manager so I got yeah. dropped from my agent he was just like it's not really working out like you haven't booked anything we're just we're gonna part ways and um I like cried all day and then, then the next moment my manager gets me this audition and I just went and I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna book this and I'm just gonna I'm gonna get it I'm gonna show my manager and I worked on it so hard and then I just had all that pressure and I went in the room and um the casting director said her line because she has the first line of the scene. So like, say it's like, hi, my name's Barbara. Then I say my line and I just stared at her blankly and I couldn't <laughs> remember anything. And I was so out of my body. And then I said, I'm sorry, let's let's go again. And then she said her line. And then I said the next line of the next character. Like I skipped uh -oh. over my line and I started to say her lines and she kind of just looked at me and she's very sweet because some casting directors are just like, what is wrong with you? And she said, um, why don't you go take five minutes outside and, and come back in? Uh, so, Aww. of course, I like went outside and panicked for five minutes. And and somehow I blundered my way through that audition. But I have so many of those where it's just like some shit show happens and I <laughs> don't know what to do. Um <laughs> And then there's some close calls where um, I get close to something and it doesn't go through and I get a call back and then I see the billboard a year later and it's just like, oh, I, I didn't get that. And um, the worst thing that happened, which isn't an audition thing, but I need to vent, is um, I booked the lead in a holiday movie and I was supposed to fly to Nashville to shoot. And so we're all getting ready. I'm packing up my wardrobe. They've been sending me clothes and... Um, and this happened somewhat recently, a few months ago. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Nashville. We're going to quarantine there for two weeks, ready to go. Take my COVID test. It comes out positive. Oh, no. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I haven't seen anyone. I haven't done anything. I've gone to the grocery store like twice. That's it. So I take my test. I thought it was just maybe allergies because I started to sneeze and it came out positive again. I was recast. I had to overnight my clothes to the girl who replaced me. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. And um, I missed that film. And uh, it was just, it's a, it was a low-budget holiday film. Like, nobody could have done anything. And the crew and the director and the team, they were all, like, wonderful people. But it was just one of those situations that was so out of anyone's control. So I cried for a week, and then I definitely started to get really sick. <laughs> oh. So I was, like, crying and then had a flu. And then, uh, yeah. So acting is definitely... 
you know, there's you there's so many ups and downs of of this ride. Yeah. Have you ever had to choose between like uh, I've got to, I don't know, maybe promote this this album with Megan Dia and or I have an audition that I can do or a, a film to go shoot. Like, have you ever had to choose between the two worlds? I've never had to make a dramatic choice, you know, like I can either do this tour with Megan D in China or I just booked this TV show that shoots in Georgia like that. That's never come up with that kind of conflict. But um, there's been some moments where, you know, I'm on tour in Wisconsin and I get an audition. And I have to tape it in a hotel room and we're in the hotel for like two out and there's also other people sleeping because we're not rich. You know, there's four to a, four of us to a hotel and I'm yeah. in the bathroom and it's echoing and then the, it just ends up being bad. Um, so there have been times where I just booked my own hotel room and just read with someone on the computer and it it's always a little weird, but I've always been lucky. I did a movie called I Hate New Year's and that started filming like seven days after I got home from our last tour with Amber Lou. So, um, it worked out really well that I just got home, had five days to myself, and then flew to Tennessee to shoot it. So I've been lucky. I mean, I would love that problem. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, you are lucky. Okay. What is the movie that you would show someone to guarantee cheer them up when they're having a bad day or a bad, bad week? So I picked a classic and then I picked one that I really loved recently. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. Just love it. It's... It's an old film, but not that old, but um, it's just always so funny and but it has so much heart to it, too, which is why it still stands the test of time. And then um, I just watched Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, the new Kristen Wiig film. Oh, yeah. And um, it's so ridiculously funny. It's just, you know, that kind of outlandish humor. But that's exactly what I needed during covid time i feel like i've been watching so many sad movies lately um so those, yeah, those two are really fun where would you put barb and star kristen wiggs movie on the ranking of her of kristen wiggs movies where would you put it is it pretty high on the list is it is it middle i'd say it's pretty high and i can't tell if um if it's just because i really needed to laugh and it kind of came to me at a point where I was like, oh, this is what I want to watch today instead of hear, like reading the terrible news or, or you know, watching something that's going to make me cry all the time. Um, and it was just really funny. And I think it's such an original idea. It's based off of it's their characters, right? Like they've had these for a while. Is that right? I'm actually not sure, but they do seem like a typical Kristen Wiig character, like the fluffy wig and crazy hair kind of like weird like a midwest accent that they do and um it definitely seems like something you would pull from snl but they ground it in a really great way and um there's musical numbers in it which made me really happy oh i did not know that <laughs> yeah there's there's everything in it and it's it, i mean it's the humor borders on absurd which I love, um, but I, you know, I, I told my little sister to watch it and I told my mom to watch it and they both were like, yeah, we got 30 minutes in and shut it off. Oh. So there's that weird, uh, am I crazy? Like, is this just funny to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the fence with that seeing that one. I remember the first trailer, I was like, oh, okay, I'm into this. And the second trailer showed even, you know, more of the story. And I was like, I don't know if this is for me or not, because... I'm not more, I don't really like the slapstick kind of stuff. I'm not sure if that's what that is. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll have to check it out now since, since you love it so much. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, Bridesmaids was really funny, but it still felt grounded and, and kind of real. This yeah. one goes a little bit beyond that where it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit insane and a little bit magical and, uh, it, it goes into that absurd. I, I, I haven't really... I saw Austin Powers forever ago and I never really got into it actually. But <laughs> if I had to put it up against something, that kind of level of like bizarre comedy. Kind of fantastical and yeah. just, just enough out of the normal life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy musicals themselves? Like Broadway stuff? Do you watch a lot of musicals for movies? I do. I mean, I just watched The Prom, which I really enjoyed. Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, you know, I, I, I do enjoy those films. I'm looking forward to In the Heights. I watched the 
um, the Hamilton. Ham, I guess it wasn't a movie, but I watched Hamilton on Disney. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy those films. And um, I mean, I would love to to be in one, but it, it's like that caliber of artist and performer is just so next level. It's it's just incredible. The actors, the talent in Hamilton is insane. Oh. The amount that they're singing and moving around the stage. It's it's ridiculous. I like it's a, it's got to be a workout every single performance. Yeah, it, it I watched it and I just I just couldn't believe it. And singing mm-hmm. is a very physical thing. I think that's what a lot of people even after I had covid, it took me the longest time like I could move around, I could I felt fine, had no fever, had no flu, but if I started to sing and kind of uh work my stomach and my breathing and everything, that was the hardest thing to to recover with after covid with for me was singing. So hard. Yeah. I think that's one thing that people don't realize about sounding good live and how hard it is. I think I've, you know, I'm not musical, but I learned from the voice, you know, the difference between seeing you guys perform live and seeing, you know, celebrities or, you know, the most famous singers perform live. You can really tell who has it and who doesn't when you have to sing live because it is so physical and you have to be perfect with your breath to sound good live. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard because, when you get nervous, I think that's the thing with acting and music somehow is um, when you get nervous, physical things happen to your body, right? You start sweating. Sometimes your mouth goes dry, call it cotton mouth. And uh, you kind of uh, like your you, my throat kind of gets a little bit shaky. Sometimes my hands actually shake when I get nervous. And um, and with acting, somehow you can kind of get that out of you. And if your mouth gets dry, you can still like bite into it. Mm-hmm. But you can't really hide. You can't you can't really fight that physical uncomfortableness. Is that even a word with singing <laughs> like you can with acting? Because you can kind of ground yourself. OK, I'm running into this scene. I'm in the doctor's office. And you know what? So I always love to say this. You know, maybe I'm a little nervous to be in the doctor's office. So maybe my hands would be shaking. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you can't say that when you're getting up on stage and you're singing a power ballad. And there's been times where I just felt like I went out on stage and the engine of my car was not running, you know. Yeah. With singing, you know, it's one part of your body that is needs to be perfect. But with acting, it's kind of everything is working on your body all at once, your body language, your, your eyes, your mouth. So I feel like you have a little more leeway to, you know, be good or be bad. But with singing, it's just that one part that you have to have greatness. Mm -hmm. And when you get nervous, it just closes up. Your throat just (laughs) closes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, what would be your favorite movie musical then? Oh man. Um, I mean, Hamilton, but I guess it's not technically a movie. Ooh, Once. I loved Once. I loved mm. Sing Street. Definitely see those if you haven't. What would be the one, if I had to put you to just one, to put into the capsule? Ooh. To represent all musicals ever, this would be the one to watch. Oh, man. I think I'd have to say Once. It's just such a raw, real... I mean, the musicians, you know, they play together all the time. They're... They're in touring bands and you can feel the authenticity with them. You know, they know how it is to actually busk on the street. I really believe he has busked on this on the street. Um, yeah. And and they were just so great. And the script was so raw and super low budget. And you can definitely see that. But it's still, you know, the story yeah. came through. Falling Slowly. Yeah. Freaking awesome song. So good. Mm-hmm. Do you watch many scary movies? I do not. Um, it's so <laughs> funny because... I was trying to think of the scariest movie I've seen. And I think the last scary movie I allowed myself to see when it came out is The Sixth Sense. And that will give you an idea of how long it's been since I've seen anything scary. And the reason is things like that sit with me. Like, for instance, if I went and watched, um, what's the movie movie that came out with Tony Collette? Heritage or Hereditary. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, if I watched that, I probably wouldn't be able to sleep alone or at all or like take a shower or do anything alone for like four months. Not joking. And even now when I'm sleeping in my apartment, I keep my hallway light on 
Like oh. my my room's pretty bright because I'm just really scared of things. I believe in ghosts. I believe in <laughs> weird things happening. You know, somebody tells me a ghost story. I'm not the kind of person who's like, okay, bye. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? And then I just really get involved. Um, so I just can't do it. The sixth sense just scared me so bad. Like that scene of, uh, was it Tony Collette under the bed? No. So that was the Mia Savarno Mia from the OC. Oh, cause I was like, was she in that movie too? Um, <laughs> but, um, Oh yeah, she wouldn't, that doesn't make sense. But just when she's under the bed, it's just, it, it, or when he goes under the curtains, under the, his little fort. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I mean, I only saw it once, <laughs> but it really <laughs> impacted me. I think the scariest thing for me was when he was shoved into that, like under the stairs or something by those kids and you Birthday can't party, really yeah. see anything, but you hear things and you see him bruised. And like when you can make somebody so scared when you really can't even see what's going on. It's just terrifying that I just can't. I can't even think about it. That movie also has a really scary moment that has nothing to do with the ghost or the paranormal stuff. There's the um, one of the Wahlbergs is the intruder is in the bathroom. And like you hear the noise and the characters are like, who's in our house? And I think it's like a long take because the camera just like tracks around to reveal the bathroom. And that moment is really scary because it feels so real. Yeah. Ugh. See, I remember these things and I, I, I've, it's been so long since I saw it. And when I watched movies like that when I was a kid, it was always because, you know, my friends wanted to go see it. But I, I skipped out on Hereditary. I skipped out on It. I skipped out on all the yeah, Insidious. Like, I haven't seen anything because I just, I really can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you chose wisely to not see Hereditary. That will, that will stick with you, that one. No. <laughs> All of those that director's movies actually will will probably haunt you for a very long time. Uh, yeah. It, so it will stay with me triple what it's staying with you. <laughs> what movie gives you goosebumps? I would say The Deer Hunter. Just that uh, scene at the end. Just I always just think about that. Um, and it's just so powerful. And also to to kind of segue into another, it's not necessarily a movie, but it's called In and of Itself on Hulu right now. And I would highly recommend watching it. Um, and he kind of speaks about the, uh, I, I hope I'm saying this correctly, the Rulatista, that kind of the game where you have the gun with one bullet and you put it to your head and you have a, you know, one out of six chance of surviving. And Russian roulette. Yeah, Russian roulette. And, uh, in and of itself speaks on that and it's it's beautiful but the deer hunter with that last scene when I just watched it I just couldn't just everything in my body just stood still and um I watched it alone in my apartment actually and I remember going out after the movie ended and kind of was like I need to walk this off (laughs) (laughs) it was just so heavy and also so beautiful I mean it's a war story but essentially it's a story about friendship and that's why you know you stay with the friends before they actually go to war for about an hour into the film because you're just establishing how well and how close these people are. That's actually, <laughs> this is terrible. That's the movie that I've wanted to start the most times, but actually never started watching. Oh my gosh, why? I think it's maybe the runtime is like just one of those. I'm just like, I don't have time at this moment for maybe two hours, three hours. Minutes. Oh yeah, almost three hours. It's really long. Three hours? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a terrible excuse, but yeah, I haven't seen that one. No, I mean, it's definitely, it's funny because the movies that have impacted me the most are the ones that I've really probably only seen once or twice because I just really can't watch them again. It's, it'd be really hard for me to watch The Deer Hunter again. Because it, it's draining. It's draining. It's so sad. It's so hard to watch. It's, you're just watching people deteriorate. And, you know, the thing that always gets me with movies is when things aren't fair. I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is, this should not be happening to you. And it just, it's just so hard to watch. You don't, well, I won't say you don't always get the ending because I don't know what the ending is, but you don't always get the ending that you want. And sometimes that makes for a better movie. Yeah. You should <laughs> make it to the end because it, whoo, it's a lot. What's a documentary that changed your life? Um, 
or change the way you, that you interact with the world because of it? You know, I was thinking about this question a lot and it's hard because I've watched a lot of true crime documentaries and those haven't necessarily like changed my world, except made me like more scared to be in a parking lot at night. <laughs> um, and then I've watched a lot of documentaries on food and um, eating clean. But the, the documentary that I really got into was Wild Wild Country that the Duplass brothers produced um, with the cult, uh, the Bogwan, the cult. And, and it was just really interesting to me how people can kind of fall into something and, and get stuck in something. And, you know, especially people that are grieving or going through something, it's really easy for them to kind of fall prey to these cults and these people that don't have their best interests in mind. Um, which, you know, and it's, you always just kind of, can kind of be taken advantage of, but, um, Ooh, this one just popped into my head. I can't believe I didn't think about this one. Um, 13. Is it, uh, the Ava DuVernay? I, I, I'm so sorry, everyone. I know that I'm just saying everyone's name wrong, but, um, is it called the, thir the 13th? The 13th? I need a... From last, from last year? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's about, oh, yeah, it's called the, yeah, the 13th or just 13th, okay. I think. But that one was definitely, um, so heartbreaking to hear about and just yeah. the the justice, the justice system or injustice of the justice system and how it takes advantage of so many people and how it's a business and it's just ruining lives. And I guess I would say, you know, I, I feel like it's a necessary thing for people to watch and be aware of. Yes. Yeah, I agree with, I can't agree with you more. It's, I think everyone in America should definitely watch that movie because it gives you such good education on things that you probably have no idea about and um, puts a good spotlight on, on things that we need to talk about as, as a country. And yeah, that one definitely wrecked you, wrecked me at the end of it. You're just like, wow, I don't feel great. And um, we definitely need to reevaluate yeah. the important things in our life. It's so hard to watch because it's not like, oh, this used to happen. Thank God everything's better now. It's still going on everywhere. And that's what makes watching that. It's becoming aware of the problems, but they're still there. It's not some kind of, you know, past historical, incredible mistake. And it's just it's really difficult to watch. But it's made me definitely pay more attention to what's going on. And there's really great organizations that I've become aware of, like Grassroots Law, I really love, and they, they do a lot of great work on the ground and um, just being aware of different organizations that fight this and help this because I don't know a lot of how to help, but finding the, yeah. the people that you trust that um, you can just donate to or spend time with or follow on socials, you know. Whatever you can yeah. do. It's a great place to, to start to kind of get the uh, the ball rolling on um, the Black Lives Matter um, movement. Definitely worthwhile. It's on Netflix right now, if I am not mistaken. Yes, yeah. that's where I watched it. We all know you have Netflix people. No excuse. <laughs> You've got someone's uh, you got someone's login. Go ahead. Go and watch it this weekend. <laughs> now, I know that you don't have kids, um, but this question is about young people. Um, what movie are you most excited to show your kids or maybe nieces, nephews, godchildren? Um, who there's, I mean, there's the classic, the princess bride, which I loved. Ooh. And I also, I mean, I got real, I nerded out with that film because, uh, it came out the year I was born, 1987. And I also just, the story of the princess bride is so interesting to me because first of all i watched it with my dad so yeah. we always watched it together as a family and so that's kind of why it popped up to me as something to watch with my kids but it's a beautiful family movie it's hilarious the acting is great um and it's it's an interesting movie about a slow start because when the princess bride came out it flopped it was not a success at all. It did so badly at the box office and it kind of got its second wind through our mom and dad's stores. Like when, uh, you know, movie rental stores kind of started popping up, The Princess Bride ended up being one of the most rented movies and it just, it exploded on the movie rental scene. So for the longest time, it was a flop and even um, Andre the Giant passed away before it became the huge successful household 
phenomenon it is today. You know, everybody knows what the Princess Bride is, but he he never really felt that success or knew that that it had done that. You know that it did well. He he passed, but um, yeah, it's just it's just such a great film, and and the writer is wonderful, and the book yeah. is wonderful. Again, it was a book before, so <laughs> that is a great choice. I think that would also go onto my list of movies that would cheer up anyone. I think that was that movie is just so fun to watch, and it will definitely make you laugh, no matter how old you are. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. What is the movie that makes you cry the most? Um, I know this is super cheesy, but, or maybe it's not cheesy, but the first movies that popped into my head are Titanic and Gladiator. Okay. I still remember when I, when I finished Gladiator, I was really, I was quite young. Um, and I remember going to my room and like pulling out clothes out of my closet, (laughs) which is so weird. And another thing with Titanic, I went and saw it at this, uh, really old cheap movie theater in Utah. And it was, you know, the movie that if you go before four, it's like $3 and Uh really like little dingy place. And, and I went and watched Titanic and I just remember being so upset and just crying and um, I went straight to the bathroom when it when it stopped and interestingly enough I thought about it and I'm like I haven't seen Titanic since then since it was in theaters because it was just so devastating to me and um wow there's just something so I I don't know just you know it, it obviously is a real event and just thinking about being with your loved ones on a ship like that and having what happened happen is just so like I can't even think about it. It'll make me cry. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that both of the movies that you chose, the main character dies. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes you mad. I think. Yeah. And you just, (laughs) you just love them so much. And especially, you know, Maximus and the gladiator, he's just such a beacon of like honor and truth and fighting for what's right. And, and, um, it's just, at the end, you're just so upset that that's happened. Yeah, I agree. What is the movie that you would choose to put in your capsule that would sum up the good of humanity? Oh, man. I think I put down planes, trains and automobiles again. But um, <laughs> the movie that I think made me believe in good people and just the beauty of life. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of movies recently, but soul by Pixar, that movie just uh-huh. really hit me, especially watching it, um, during COVID because I took away from it that, you know, life is beautiful and it's, it's about the small things in life. That's beautiful. Um, eating dinner uh-huh. with your family, playing a song on the piano. It's not about this success or like trying to get somewhere. And especially in COVID when we're all feeling stuck and you know, what's the meaning of life? Well, the meaning of life is like calling your mom saying hi. Um, so soul just really, it made me feel at peace with myself and with everything that's going on. So I think that would make people feel good about other people. Hopefully. That is a great answer. Um, I know that you recently talked about, um, you want to change what success means to you this in 2021 and um, that it shouldn't be about, you know, booking the next movie or about getting great success with a song or record. How has that been going for you this year? It's definitely a daily battle um, because I definitely have moments, I would say almost daily, hourly, where it's like, oh, you're turning 34 this year and what have you done? And you just had eight auditions and nobody called you back and you just sent in that song and you haven't heard back. And, and you know, in our business, I don't know if people know this, but in acting and music, you don't really email someone and say, oh, no, thank you. Like, you just don't hear from anyone. Um, right. That's, that's the no thank you. Um, you don't really call a casting director and say like, did I get it? (laughs) You just, yeah. Just checking in. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, well, if you haven't heard anything, that's your answer. And and that's just how music is and acting is. And, and it's really hard for me to be happy with waking up and making breakfast and spending time with loved ones and going for a walk. And just sometimes that feeling will creep in of like, what have you done this year? You haven't done anything. Um, you're just getting older. You can't play late twenties anymore. It's <laughs> just that kind of 
evil voice. Um, sometimes I call it like the evil roommate who just like pops in my head. And then yeah. there's other moments when I, I was walking the other day and I saw these beautiful purple flowers and then I saw 10 peacocks on my walk. They were everywhere what? in the in the neighborhood. And um, I saw 10 peacocks walking around and I just thought, this is beautiful. Life is amazing. This flower's gorgeous. It's, the weather's beautiful. My family's healthy. Who cares if, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a series regular on a TV show or something. And it kind of bounces back from those two things all the time of like feeling value and just being and, and being a good person, hopefully, and, and being a good sister and um, daughter and friend. And then the other times it's like, oh, you're failing. People yeah. back home are going to think like, cool, I saw you on that one commercial that no one cares about. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's the struggle of I have the same problem in my head is like if I haven't put out a video recently, I'm not successful or I have, if I haven't made a good one recently, then what am I actually doing? Um, yeah, it's definitely the artist struggle for sure. And it's, it's hard to find those moments for me anyways of, of, yeah, this is what life is really about. It's the, the small moments and not necessarily the financially successful or the critically successful ones. Yeah. It's hard. There's a quote. Um, I'm forgetting who it's by right now. Uh, I'm just going to blame it on post COVID brain, but it, it's something like um, a rock that's thrown, a rock that's thrown in the air, air, whether it goes up or down, it's still a rock. So mm. I always kind of latch on to that. You know, I'm always me, whether I'm going up or down, I'm the rock. I'm just, we're never changing. And, and that's something I think about, like, you know, if you book something and they're like, Luke, come direct this commercial tomorrow for $500,000. Like, are you a better person tomorrow because you're doing that than you are right now? It's just, it doesn't really make any logical sense, but we still yeah. put that thing on like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm like doing this huge commercial. I'm getting bigger. Like I'm taking up more space and you just feel this thing that isn't really quite real because, you know, you're still the kind person that you were yesterday. Yeah. It's just a, a passing fleeting moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, we could talk about that all day. I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so, Dia, you've got to choose one movie as your favorite of all time. The one that you'll take with you into your bunker that you can rewatch over and over and over. What is your favorite movie? That's such a hard question because I feel like my favorite movies are the ones I wouldn't want to watch over and over again. Like The Godfather pops up, Deer Hunter pops up. Yeah. Um, I think I'd have to go back to The Princess Bride because it's just such, it, I can watch that every day and be happy. And it's such a classic. Um, yes. yeah, I'd have to go with that one. What's your favorite line from the movie? <laughs> Any, uh, no more lines now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Like, it's just, I can't, <laughs> Oh, no more rhymes now. I mean it. How dare I? But, um, yeah, it's, it's just so good. Uh, yeah, I think that is, it's so rewatchable. There's so many different Every character, I feel like there's not just like, you know, there's not one main one main character. Everyone has great lines and great moments and you love them and you hate them. And oh, it's such a good freaking movie. It, it really is. And no one should ever remake it. I will be so upset. Oh, yeah. I hope no one's talking about that. I know. I've always idea. heard rumors that kind of pop up every now and then. I'm just like, no, you can't do that. Boycott. We'd boycott it. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, Dia, it is time to lock up your time capsule, uh, but unfortunately, this is a low-budget uh, show, so I need you to provide the sound effect of your capsule closing. Oh, man. Pew! Boop! <laughs> <laughs> My capsule's really cute. That's great. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. that. That one definitely sounded like it was air pressurized. I know. It's sealed for good. It is. But you have a lot of movies to watch now. You have to watch The Deer Hunter. And yes. then we spoke about this before, but you have to watch A Care A Lot on Netflix. Yep. Yeah, I think those are the best movies out right now. Nomadland. Yep, I saw that one. That was great. That was great. It's very slow moving, mm -hmm. but yep. it's it's beautiful. But yeah, I was just like, I feel like I'm lost out here and it's it's very slow paced. And uh, But I really love that one too. It's so pretty. Yeah, that one... It kind of reminds me, Nomadland reminds me of an artist's journey. Like there's no one, there's no one path that's not clear of where you're going to go. You just sometimes got to go through it, bump around and you're not really sure what the ending is. Yeah. 
And it's interesting to kind of side with society where you're like, wait, you should do this. You you shouldn't, you know, stay there or whatever. And, and then you realize like what you said. Oh, there's so many different ways to go and there's so many different ways to be. And society tells you that you have to do this one thing. And it's, uh, yeah. And the, the writer, director, she edited it to a Chinese female filmmaker. Incredible. It's just so cool to see people come up like that who are just these new brilliant voices, you know. Wow. I didn't know that she edited that. That's very cool. I know. I found that out, too, because there were three things and and. I was like, wait, what, what is this? Like, Cause I thought it was going to be produced by, but it was written, uh-huh. directed and edited by, I'm going to ruin her name. So I'm not going to say it. I think, uh, <laughs> Close out. I think I, I can't, I just can't sit here and butcher everyone's names, but um, yeah, it was so, so beautiful. So. And I heard they also used real nomads as a lot of the actors in there. Yeah. She uses a lot of real people. I, I kind of was wanting to go through and see um, who, was a real actor and who she used because she did the same thing in her last film, The Writer. A lot of the actors were just real people who, you know, grew up around ranch handing in that ranch life and bull riding and the rodeo. And um, it's it's really powerful. And it makes me mad, too, because I'm like, they're just being they're just people. They're not like acting and performing. And it was was (laughs) a really good lesson in acting, you know, just be a person. Stop trying to, like, put on an outfit and and dance around. And yeah, just naturalism sometimes works. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dia, this has been a lot of fun. We could go on for hours. I feel like doing more movies. But sadly, this is the end of your capsule. Thank you so much again. This was this is awesome. No, thank you. This is fun. <laughs> All right. I also want to thank um, Brett Goldstein for inspiring this podcast. If you like this one, you can check out his. It's called uh, Films to be Buried With. And thank you to the listener. I hope this is, encourages you to um, watch some new movies or revisit some old ones. And I will leave you with this uh, movie quote. Ernest Hemingway once wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Mm-hmm.